Well, hello there. This is the Holy Hour Podcast. I'm Gavin. Thanks so much for joining us. The Holy Hour Podcast is, in fact, a Cure podcast, the band The Cure. Thanks so much for joining us again, or for the first time. How's it going out there? I hope you're having a nice, chill Thursday. That's when I'm recording this. May 25th, 2017. Notice I hesitated for a second. What year is it? I'm so out of the loop. But, um, yeah, I'm just kind of chilling today, and uh, I I thought this would be a great time to just... uh, do some cure babbling with you it's just me and um the date will be relevant in a minute but um yeah got 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 my daily plan sidetracked with a check engine light so um i was like all right well i'm out of, i'm without a car so here i am it's gonna work on the yard but it's all soggy out there sun's coming up might have a chance at getting to it but if you hear some birds tweeting in the back that's what's going on and uh, what does this mean to me as a Cure listener, you're saying? Well, um, that means that I have nothing else to do but sit here and drink this giant Darth Vader cup of coffee and talk Cure to you. Yep, it was one of the initial ideas, for better or worse, was uh, having an outlet for a Cure talk. Whether it be with my friends or people that sort of know the Cure, Cure people out in the world that I don't even know at all, or guess what? I often just talk about the cure by myself in a room with no one there. And I never used to record it. So I'm like, well, why not record it? So, um, but I do have a, uh, a game plan for you guys. So don't worry. I'm not going to just totally uh, talk nonsense like a crazy person at you. Well, I might. But the idea, going back to what I said, today is May 25th. Uh, it's a Thursday. This will air on a Monday. So unfortunately, when you're listening to this, you won't really be able to celebrate with me by any means. But um, May 25th, you know, as any Cure fan knows, there's almost too many anniversaries to to celebrate properly. I'm always tempted. I'm kind of dude that does dwell on anniversaries. I don't like to make a big deal out of things, you know, whether it be, you know, this is the day it happened. This could be the last day that this happens. And um You know, I think somebody said something about like posting like death dates or something like that in particular. And and, uh, Ian Curtis just had his, you know, anniversary of his death a few maybe last week, I guess it was. And um, and somebody's like, why are we celebrating the day he died? This is horrible. (laughs) Somebody boarded it. Well, I thought where I said we're we're remembering we're not celebrating so much. But not the case here. No death dates to talk about on this episode of the Holy Hour. These are more anniversaries we could celebrate but there are some anniversaries and i thought we could bunch all this together and uh remember some great cure moments um as a as a group of people and uh what anniversaries like i said there's always something there's always like on this day 17 seconds came out you know whatever amount of years ago so there's always going to be some kind of anniversary between the singles and and uh albums so it's tempting to you know do anything more than just post something on social media going wow remember or it's still awesome after all these years but um today you know why not if we got a few and we got some to batch together so uh just give you the quick rundown may 25th the significance and there's probably more of it. i didn't really investigate but uh kiss me kiss me kiss me came out 30 years ago today 30 you know it's kind of a milestone birthday and um 30 years so uh Thought I'd kick it off. We we we've been doing the album reviews pretty uh, consistently, Donovan and I, and um, 
And, you know, I don't like to, to jump ahead to one because uh, we're just going to be talking about it in more detail later together. So um, I'll just kind of code over ideas and more talk about the legacy of Kiss Me, Kiss Me real quick and on its birthday here. And it's turning 30 years old. Can you believe it? For some reason, it doesn't seem that shocking. It does seem like an older one, and I wasn't really sure. I think it'll be more shocking when Disintegration's 30 because I'll be like, oh, wow, that was... Uh, you know, I specifically remember buying that one on the day it came out. So that's like, whoa. Um, Kiss Me, Kiss Me, for those that haven't put my timeline together, is a significant album because that was the most current album when I became an official fan. Um, it's hard to say when the, the fan button was officially pushed or what, but um, uh, it was 1988. So like, Kiss Me was the current album that was out, but it wasn't really new. Um, I think when I officially just dove in and started buying and getting as much Cure stuff as possible, um, Hot 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 had already been released as the last single. So I think that was around February. I thought I read that somewhere. So this was probably like summer 88 maybe. Um, So this kind of mysterious new album, but nobody was really calling it new at that point, um, was released. But it was cool because I, you know, as far as I knew, that was the most current deal, and I was up to date by having that. And uh, and it was weird because it was the double album, which has a huge, huge impact on people's uh, perception of the album now even. I feel like now more so even. But uh, at the time, you know, this was kind of further breaking them through the mainstream in a sense, uh, you know, because Head on the Door did so well, and they're definitely starting to blow up in the U.S., and, uh, you know, Kiss Me, it was clearly that, all right, we've done it. Let's hit, do that home run swing, put out this double album. We're just cranking out these amazing songs. And, um, yeah, it seemed like, I mean, it, when you look at most people's careers even, this would shape up to be like their peak album. I'm sure there's people out there that do think it is their peak album or, you know, who knows, everyone seems to start or stop liking The Cure at one point or another. Um, but... It's weird because, you know, then obviously Disintegration would be the most widely argued, you know, peak album or most successful, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, because it was like head on the door, definitely, you know, knock down the door and then bam, what are you going to do next? And of course, it would be this giant album, which is Kiss Me, Kiss Me. And uh, I don't know. So I've always had a, a soft spot in my heart for Kiss Me, Kiss Me. I still love it. Um, it means a lot to me. It's like, uh, you know, one that's been there. It's weird. Cause like I said, the double album thing, a lot of people, you know, hold it against it. And, um, and I'm probably in that boat now. It's weird. Um, looking at kiss me, kiss me. It's one that I always had in my top three favorite care albums, at least maybe even my number one for a while. Cause I love so many of the certain songs on it, but then some are like, meh, hmm. But it's like weird as a kid, like I never really questioned the double album thing. I just kind of figured that's what it was or they just had to make a double album for whatever reason, you know, and it's like you don't really hold that against it or anything. But now being older and wiser, there is a strong argument and perspective of like why you could have trimmed some of these are cool songs, but you probably could have yeah, left a few of them off and narrowed it down and made it like a tighter, just awesome package of like, how I feel head on the door really is, or it's just like this concise, really like one, two punch kind of deal. Um, but you know, the longer pace, the album format, I think 
you know, it's just another way of doing it. And I think that's great too. The more the merrier, I always say. So I'm all for double albums, but yeah, as far as like concise, perfect record, it does kind of hurt it in that regards, I think, because there are certain ones on it that aren't my favorite Cure songs by any means, but man, those ones that do hit on Kiss Me are so good. And they're still probably in my top favorites there. Um, You know, of course, Just Like Heaven, Catch, one More Time and A Thousand Hours are like my two buddy depressing songs. They're so beautiful. Because it's weird because they're not even like, they're definitely sad songs, and they're but they're like really beautiful songs, you know? Like where you can just put them on and it's it doesn't have quite the heart-wrenching despair that like a lot of the awesome downer songs and disintegration have. But even like, you know, because I guess there's like, a little bit of hope maybe in like one more time a bit more where it's like sad but it's like just take me in your arms one more time like there's technically a chance that it's gonna happen again thousand hours is a little more uh defeatist i guess but um but yeah i mean just all those like synth strings and stuff seem to have a more uh you know positive twist to it or romantic edge i don't know we've talked about that with donald and i in the past of this album just has like such a great like romantic feel to it i don't know if it's just the kissing imagery and the kind of frenchiness attached to it or whatever you know like being recorded there and like just i don't know like the the whole feel of it and and it's weird because that's one of the things i love about it is that it has such a great feel to the album but that's definitely nothing shocking for a cure album pretty much every cure album has a specific mood and like feeling to it and the ones that don't actually stand out a lot more than the ones that do but so that no groundbreaking revelation there but the idea that the feel of kiss me kiss me and the tones and everything and just the imagery that you you put into your own head when you listen to this album is definitely a cool mood that i really love and and uh not sappy in, in any way really i mean it's just this cool romantic vision that you can attach these songs to certain songs take it in a different angle i guess you know there's the whole hot 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 and why can't i be you angle both of which i always go back and forth on you know see that episode if you really want to dig into those two songs i'm cool with them but i know somebody else that has some major problems with them but we'll address all of that when we talk about kiss me in, in more detail with donald but um yeah, I don't know. I think it's cool. I'd still probably definitely my top five Cure albums. Um, I don't. I guess talking about the longevity of it and uh, its birthday being 30 years old today um, is that's what I mean. It's not like shocking because it seems old still, but um, but the production and great and is great. That whole Dave Allen thing, which I still need to investigate further and really want to just do a whole episode on this dude because I think he's like a mystery missing piece of the genius of Cure Productions and stuff because I mean Robert really is always credited as co-producing around those later albums or this era in particular where I feel like the real timelessness of the Cure kicks in like the production there's nothing that like makes this album dated when you listen to it I say oh almost one thing does make it dated and that's the damn saxophone God, there's a lot of saxophone on this one in particular. Um, but, you know, it was 1987. Come on, people. And it works as far as, you know, still listenable songs to the most part. But, uh, but yeah, I would say that's the only thing that dates the album where you can be like, oh, yeah, this is probably an 80s album. But otherwise, you put on, like, The Kiss or something, and it's like, 
I don't know. Nobody was doing that in 1987. It's just such a weird, cool, unique sound, and all the guitars, you know, still sounded like they had some balls, and like, you know, it wasn't all just weird 80s studio guitar tricks and stuff, you know. So um, I don't know. I think it's it's a huge accomplishment because it's not anything that sounds like 1987. So I don't know. I also feel this is like around when The Cure really just took it up a notch as far as a a more, I don't want to say mainstream even because they hadn't really still broken through, but it was like definitely in that bracket of like huge bands that like mainstream top 40 radio, especially in the U.S., wasn't like latching on to yet. But I mean, anybody in cool college radio, I think, is all breaking big by this point and stuff. So, you know, they're playing giant venues probably at this point obviously they're probably already have been you know since head on the door playing like pavilions and stuff but um everything seemed to just kind of be like head on the door but on steroids a bit more for this album you know even their uh like look and everything got a little bit more defined i think by taking the uniform thing a bit more since head on the door that's weird because it does really kind of take that I guess they sort of were wearing similar stuff around the top, but not as much. It, it seemed to be like a specific like branding of the Cure almost seemed to happen um, more subtly on Head on the Door, but then you just see like images from Kiss Me era and stuff, and you kind of just know that it was that time, maybe because the font and everything was so distinct and all the artwork I really love um, from that album and the singles and everything, and just seemed like everything had this cool like team you know like they had really become a, a band again you know like the second full version of the band you know that isn't the early first three albums or so so i don't know um i feel like that just kind of got taken up a notch with this album and and kind of stuck you know like then they would just have different variations on it as they go through you know the boris years in particular so uh i don't know i love kiss me kiss me kiss me i i still stand by it uh, we'll get into more details, of course, uh, as we get to it with the full album review. But other than that, happy birthday, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. You haven't aged a day. You're still beautiful. What other anniversaries are going on today? May 25th, what possibly could have happened in Cure history on this day that matters enough to babble into this pop podcast episode with you people? Um, and it's a bit of a more personal one. 25 years ago, today, was the first day that I and Donald, the bad boy of podcasting, saw The Cure for the first time ever live at the Capitol Center um, DC, it was, uh, an amazing day for the Wish Tour 1992, my, uh, freshman year of high school, and, uh, this is kind of covered in the Wish episode, we go into more details, but that was a while back now, so if anybody hasn't backtracked and really want to hear the play-by-play -play of us just scooping every little corner of our memories out and rehashing that, 
that wonderful evening of seeing the cure for the first time and the smell of the stadium and the merch stand and the whole deal uh go go visit the wish episode but it's, it's still a pretty vivid day in my memory and uh for a long time, I uh, would credit May 25th, 1992 as being the best day of my life. I was so happy that day. It was like when you're just old enough, you know, being a teenager that you kind of lose a little bit of that like kid on Christmas feeling, you know, when you're really anticipating whatever toy or whatever the hell or just the mystery of Christmas morning or Christmas Eve whenever you open your presents or whatever, you know, and, um, and there was definitely that feeling like even taken up a notch because I'd already had been kind of the, you know, angsty teenager at that point. And you don't get as uh, thrilled about everything. And, but man, I remember like not being able to sleep the night before. I remember the, like feeling nauseous in my stomach before the band came out. Cause I was so nervous and so excited and wanted it to all just go perfectly. And, uh, and it delivered. I was so happy. It was like, just, the best day of my life you know and it's like since then of course growing up and being a real almost functioning adult you know you're like well yeah clearly the day i got married are way more significant and better days but the more i started to think about it as i was jotting this down i'm like well yeah but you know the, the day i got married was clearly a better day and in hindsight way better and more rewarding than seeing the cure even for the first time but I was terrified. I didn't know what I was doing. You always were kind of like, okay. And we were just kind of fumbling through that. And even more so on the day my, my son was born, which is, you know, turned out fine and everything was perfect. But Jesus, you know, you're terrified on that kind of day. You know, who the hell knows what's going to happen. The whole thing's like a battle out there. If anybody's been around for child labor, I think you know what I mean. It was a... Technically all went smoothly, but it was a long labor and it was pretty weird, you know, and this little human comes out, you know, it's it's amazing when it all works and is done, but there was a good 12 hours there where I was just like, this is either going to be the best day of my life or the absolute worst. I don't know what's happening. And, uh, you know, no matter what, that care show was pretty, uh, pretty set in stone that it was just going to be great. I mean, there was no real chance of them, like, I mean, I guess if they, like, canceled or something the day before but then it just wouldn't have happened you know so i mean maybe in a sense it is still the best day of my life that feeling you know was 100 percent, you know just innocence and <laughs> happiness and there was no real fear of it going wrong or anything i guess there could have been somebody in the stands that picked a fight with me or something but who knows but um yeah it was it was a pretty amazing day and for the record yes my marriage and childbirth are more significant and better days, but it's still an amazing day. That first time I saw the cure and, um, I don't know, the cranes opened up. Donald really loved them. I, eh, I was kind of, especially at the night of, I was like, this is not that the cure would have gone on any sooner if the cranes weren't there. But I was like, basically so much momentum building up to that, that I was like, just get off the stage. You're the one thing in between me and seeing this band right now, stop playing. But, uh, and I still, when I listen to their music, don't love it. I love the idea. They're cool, but yeah, I've liked it a lot more since that moment. But, uh, I'm not a huge fan. Sorry, Cure fans. I know that people are like, what? How could you not love them? But yeah, I don't. So, uh, <laughs> Donald became a huge fan with them. Uh, yeah, it was me, Donald, my brother Owen, and our friend Jessica. We were all sitting together 
It would have been about stage right a little bit, kind of in the cracks. I guess if you're on stage, it would have been about like two o'clock. Um, so we're off to the, the side a little bit. Decent seats, not great by any means, but um, wasn't picky at that point at all. So uh, it was cool. Sound was good. A big stadium show, you know. So what what can you not get right and something like that with The Cure? But um, so that was cool. And our friend Bill and Brandon, they were, went with us too. They were up in a higher seats there. They got separate timing sick or tickets there. So, so they were all there. So it was a whole family event of buddies and everybody from that era. And um, yeah, and it was weird too. Like um, the set list was very solid. You know, wish tour set list. They hadn't totally begun like the crazy marathon shows by any means at that point, but they did play quite a bit it was let's see credit to what is this uh setlist.fm website it's probably pretty common knowledge but anybody that hasn't checked out that website should check it out because they got pretty much every set list on there going back to any show and it's cool you can pretty much make a little folder of um you know like all my cure shows that i've gone to so i can reference back to them and look at them it was like yeah 17 songs in the main set there opening with open, ending with end, pretty much all singles, uh, show it sometimes apart, you know, some of the deeper cuts from wish were in there that wouldn't really appear a lot since, um, encores love song. And why can't I be you? Of course, uh, third or second encore was cool. Three imaginary boys, primary boys don't cry. And they ended with forest. So nothing super rare, but I mean, for your first cure show, that's pretty solid, man. And, uh, I loved it. And there was talk, and even when we first started this podcast up until recently, because of this website, uh, I thought of that. I think it got cut out of an episode where Don and I were talking about it, and I broke it to him, was that uh, they played two nights at Capitol Center, and um, we had friends that went to the second night. We only went to the first night. One of my bigger regrets. Should have gone to both. But um, we had a friend that went to the second night instead. They didn't go the first night came back and they're like yeah man they played like in your house and at night and uh, i think like letter to elise or something and i was just like oh my god they played you know definitely some weirder stuff that would have been amazing or just different stuff you know at that point i didn't know that the cure would actually change up their set list from show to show you know and um so yeah it sounded like it was like a completely different thing so i definitely should have gone to both nights but uh as any Cure fan knows now, of course, but um, yeah, it's uh, it was just kind of stuck with me. And then with like the release of Show in Paris, it kind of just somehow stuck in our head that they oh shit, so every show on the tour was pretty much flip flop between like a more show, you know, relatable one, and then the second set would be more like Paris, uh, which had you know dressing up and a lot of like weirder songs on there, than hundred years and stuff even. But, um, so I always just assumed that the second set was all of that, you know, and then thanks to this website, I looked up the second night finally and just to see what I missed. And it really wasn't that different. It was, uh, fairly similar to the, um, to the set list, just with a few of those sprinkled in. I think it was like a 17 seconds kind of encore that, that they did and stuff. So it wasn't really full on Paris. So that makes me feel better. I didn't really miss anything that much. Just a few random sprinkles of variety but you know they still opened with open and ended with end and everything so so there you go i felt a little better and uh all this time but i still still wish i could have gone to that second show man 
But yeah, hard to believe that that was 25 years ago. And uh, I mean, that almost feels older than Kiss Me, Kiss Me at this point, thinking of high school and just being so like ecstatic and going to school the next day and wearing my Cure t-shirt that I got at the show. I had that one forever too, the red face with he's pulling his hands up on his head there, you know, and of course it's going for like $500 on eBay or something now. I'm like, where did that go? I think I, it just fell apart and somehow it just disappeared from my closet, which is terrible of me. Now, uh, but um, anyway, uh, yeah, that was a great, great night and uh, 25 years ago. So moving on, what other anniversary? Well, uh, it's not an actual anniversary, but I thought it'd be cool to always tag on a uh, song from the self-titled album, because most people don't really want to talk to me about that album. And um, if you know me, it's it is probably been on the record at some point that the self-titled album that came out in 2004 is technically my least favorite Cure album. I don't despise it, or I'm not offended by it, or anything like that. But, you know, when you line it up with... 12 other, you know, life-changing albums. Well, maybe 11 other life-changing <laughs> albums. Um, that one in particular, just, eh, there's a lot of misses, a lot more misses on it than, than the ones that really hit my heart. But the song anniversary. What? Oh, not an actual anniversary, but the song anniversary is on that album. And it's one of my favorite ones on the album. It is one that I do really enjoy i wouldn't say i love love it by any means but um but it's a cool song and uh i thought you know no one's really gonna want to talk about that song with me on this podcast in great detail so it might be a good time to just give a little two cents as they say But uh, yeah, the self-titled uh, album came out in 2004, and uh, Anniversary's cool because it's one of the more, I don't know, it's not like a, it's a sad song, I guess, and it's more mellow, I guess, like, my kind of my problem with the self-titled one, it just has too much of that aggression side, you know, like where the songs are all like us or them, where it just turns into him kind of shouting over like some drunk, drunk kind of stuff, and still blame that producer, but um, I'm sure they just wanted to rock out a bit more. But uh, yeah, I, I like this one because it does have a little bit more of, of a chilling the fuck out kind of vibe to it. And uh, it's cool. And it's got good lyrics. And I kind of feel like it would be like a more widely accepted song even if it had just been like a like a beast. It feels like, like a be- good B-side from like Wish or something or Wild Mood Swings even. And um it does have kind of a b-sidey feel even still um but i think it's the most probably might be one of my fa- probably my favorite one second to end of the world i guess it's still a cool song on that self-titled album so i, I don't know and it was weird because there's also a funny website i'm sure somebody stumbled across it or everyone stumbled across it at some point but that songmeanings.com, and it's kind of funny just to see like i guess the gist of the of the website is that they people just 
is like a forum and they write the meanings if they've read about it or what they think the song means or something but uh, a lot of people just treat it like a forum where they talk about the song and i was kind of kind of surprised and not surprised at the same time that a lot of people you know credited anniversaries being their favorite song on the self-titled album um i think end of the world can get a little poppy for some people maybe um or just they just don't like it for whatever reason but um I like it, and it was weird that Anniversary wasn't a single or anything, so I mean, it kind of has like a deep cut feel to it, but um, I don't know, I think it's the most like kind of solid Cure song on the record, probably, so yeah, I, I don't know, I don't I really put it in my top ten by any means, but it's a cool song, if you haven't listened to that one in a while, I recommend it, it has good solid lyrics, and since it is a bit of the sadder theme, um, you know, it's kind of gives you that feel that it's not like a happy anniversary by any means it's like an anniversary of something that didn't make it not not even so much like a death anniversary or anything like that but just like looking back probably most you know obvious would be like a relationship and then the anniversary of when it didn't happen or when it started or something and looking back on it some kind of date that sparks an anniversary of you know letting it all go as many cure songs have that theme of you know why did we walk away kind of reminiscing vibe so um yeah that's kind of why i love it i think because it has more of that old you know classic cure vibe and tone to it so how about you guys what do you think out there before i like like the other albums i don't want to totally dive into my deep thoughts on self-titled album but where does anniversary rank for you is that one that even comes up on anybody's radar as far as cure songs i don't know but um along those lines too and since we got some time here and i'll wrap up with this there was kind of a cool thing that happened earlier in the week if you're familiar with another website that i'll plug and i'll put all these amazing websites in the uh, facebook feed of course so go on over to facebook after this and find the holy hour uh for this episode and uh i'll put the links there and you can look up your own cure set list and song meanings and this website that's probably pretty widely known for cure fans and music fans out there but slicing up eyeballs.com slicing up eyeballs.com and um it was always just this kind of cool solid like uh i guess it would be more like alternative you know music website they tend to just be like the classics from like late 80s you know the cure new order smiths anything any new news always popped up on it and um but they covered like a lot of 90s rock stuff too you know and it would get into like just kind of that 120 minutes era of like awesome uh, everyone that pretty much liked music around 90s or late 80s and stuff like that uh these would the ba- be the bands that you care about so it's kind of like a pitchfork or stereo gum that like narrows it down to, to good shit so <laughs> but it was always this solid like website and then they stopped for a little while and i guess he just had it as like a app or something where it just was like really narrowed down but it seemed like it came back but one of the things that this website does it's always dorky but fun as they would always have these cool polls you know where you'd be like best song or best albums of like 1987 and they just leave it up for a while and everyone just kind of votes super easy it's always like really easy just click the albums you like from that year or whatever and then you forget about it and like a month later the results will pop up but um so they started up a new one again by popular demand it sounded like 
and uh, the, it's a Cure one, and they they had every Cure song. It's called the absolute best of the Cure, all 225 songs ranked. I'm not quite sure what the you know I'm sure they go into the criteria for everything, but I didn't bother to really read all that. But um, yeah, it's uh every song like B sides and I guess just everything that was like officially released by the Cure. Um, so they're all in there and you had like about a month of vote on them and uh, i think you got like 25 picks i think it was so you were allowed to pick your top 25 basically and then they list them all like not even just the top 25 but every song and how many votes it got (laughs) it's pretty ridiculous and i guess before i even just dive into some of that because it's fun to look at i have to go on the record of saying how much i hate these lists technically you know it's like for a while there that's all like spin and rolling stone were putting out it's like you know and they're kind of designed just to piss people off and get you like what how could that be best guitarist of the 80s or whatever you know and they always just kind of i mean it's always gonna piss somebody off or you're just gonna be like how in the hell is that above this and there now but then it's like oh that's the point it just gets you get your blood boiling enough to actually look at it enough you know and it's just fun so i gotta say i i do not like lists and i don't like genres even in particular i think everything should just be lumped together at the record store alphabetically and um but that being said as a human i think we all just like putting things in lists i don't know why it's so weird categorizing and putting things in the list and and you know what better way to do it than to vote so there is some backing behind it who knows how many People really dove into this and like, you know, voted a billion times or what, like any election, it's probably got a huge bullshit factor, but it's fun. And with something like The Cure, every song, why not, you know? So I'm not going to read you, obviously, every 225 songs and where they ranked, but I thought it was kind of funny to walk it through with you guys. And you should totally go to slicingupeyeballs.com and check out the, the results just so you can thumb through it and get a little chuckle or see what your favorite songs lie at and there wasn't too many huge surprises um the top 10 uh countdown for suspense it was a a night like this uh close to me at nine disintegration the song fascination street charlotte sometimes number five boys don't cry four pictures of you three in between days two just like heaven and number one most voted highly voted cure song a forest which i thought was kind of surprising Cause it was like, wow. I mean, I know people love that song. It's definitely not one of my top five, even. Um, I dig it, but I always like the live version more and stuff. Like, I like if it's just gonna rock out. But yeah, super cool song actually. But uh, not number one. I mean, of course, like just like having in between days, pictures of you. Are my favorites but they're the obvious ones of course and boys don't cry even um so yeah not too many huge surprises i guess a little shocking that like fascination street and shot sometimes would be in the top 10 um but not really i guess along the lines of surprises being spoiled sorry if i am spoiling this guy's countdown for you guys but yeah go check it out uh love song was 11 you know being like their biggest hit you'd think that'd be a little higher um but i don't think it was the top 40 pop radio people that are voting on this it's obviously all care fans uh friday i'm in love would be like down i think it was like at 26 or something so still still fairly high on the list but not for being their big hit it's kind of weird that that was that far down 
so yeah then it's just kind of sporadic all over the place you know like um letter to elise being 20 and stuff like that uh i thought one was kind of oh friday i'm in love was ahead of like primary push and play for today i'm like what but uh you know it was like a big hit so who knows what the logic is and how many people and who was voting so aside from that other noteworthy things that i thought were funny uh since it was all b-sides and stuff i was like oh where was the first sighting of a b-side on this list then i wonder and uh no huge shock what do you think the number one b-side highest ranking was of course exploding boy number 56 though like i think i had that a lot higher when i voted or whatever of course but um yeah, and then shortly after 56, they start trickling in a bit more. I think it was like this Twilight Garden was the next loved B-side, um, which kind of makes sense. And maybe some of that's residue from the tour um, that just happened. Burn was actually ahead of Exploding Boy, even at like 40-something, I think. But uh, yeah, so that was kind of cool and weird to see some B-sides. I think Harold and Joe, surprisingly, which I don't think we've actually even addressed ever on this podcast yet so uh harold and joe cool song weird but good um then the, the bottom i thought would be fun to just uh see what was the out of all 225 cure songs what do you think the least favorite five are hmm let's take a look oh oh yeah I almost got excited for a second, but yeah, number 225, well, maybe we'll count in reverse to build some suspense, 221, the Weedy Burton, of course, <laughs> which probably could have been a solid argument, that should have been the last one, so terrible, uh, and then it's a little unfair, because it's like B-sides to stuff off the self-titled album in 413, so um, come on, that's not really fair, but um, yeah, so two, 221 was Weedy Burton, so I guess that's the last like old school cure song to be on there. Uh, two twenty two is fake the B side of End of the World. Two twenty three all kinds of stuff B side of Freak Show. Two twenty three uh, and a lot of these were ties too. I guess uh, B side to the only one off of four thirteen and two twenty five the most unloved only oh, one vote. Oh, he got one vote. Why can't I be me? Remember the B side to Alt End and Taking Off. Which is, a, it was the most unmemorable song ever recorded by The Cure, I would probably say. I keep always going like, oh, wow, that's so weird. It's like a play on Why Can't I Be You? Why was he doing this? has got to be some significance. And every time I listen to it, I go, eh. And I forget it immediately. I can't remember. I couldn't home you a part of that song to save my life. And I've listened to it constantly. Well, not constantly. But, um, yeah, so I guess let's... Bear with me one second here. I want to scan up just above Weedy Burton and see what is like the last like old school Cure song to be ranked. Let's see. It's more just B-sides from old stuff. The final sound from 17 seconds, a little instrumental deal, is uh, 215, which I don't feel as bad for bashing now, I guess. <laughs> but then we got more B-sides. Uh, let's see... Yeah, they're all, like, stuff from, like, Lost Wishes and stuff. Like, um, got some Wild Mood Swing B-sides now in the 200s. Um, yeah, it's weird. I guess Out of Mind, the B-side from Lullaby and Fascination Street was pretty low. So, And then three, actually, from 17 Seconds, which I was never been a huge fan of. I believe that's one of Arusha's favorite songs. 
Uh-oh. Rui's just pissed now. 204-3. So I guess that's kind of the first, like, real song that isn't, like, a B-side or a super new one. Anyway, so there you go. Like I said, I'm not going to really just read the whole list to you. You should just go on over to SlicingUpEyeballs.com and check that out. List, what can you do about them? I don't know. They're fun, but they're stupid. Let's be honest. And uh, I actually had like a, an episode of the Holy Hour where I was babbling again in myself. I did it in a car while I was driving around because it was like around when one of these came out and they ranked every like the 13 major Cure albums and so not counting like Mixed Up or Japanese Whispers. Um, and they just ranked the albums. And I thought early on it'd be fun to do that just so we all know where like Donald and I stand as far as like what our favorite Cure albums are and stuff. But I ultimately thought it was kind of dumb because Lister kind of dumb and I didn't put it out. But, you know, since we're talking List right now, here's my quick rundown. Why not? Just so in case there's any confusion of how generic or where I stand on my love of Cure albums, here they are, ranked, you know, for all the wrong reasons. Um, and, of course, I love all of them. I, they're like children. You can't pick one. of Well, maybe you can pick some. But anyway, it's not too shocking. Here's my list. Uh, my least favorite is the self-titled album, of course. Second least favorite, 413 Dreams, even though it's got some great songs on it. Um, you know, I feel like that one still bounces around. This list changes by the hour, by the way. So uh, 413 Dream, uh, then Blood Flowers. I don't know, some days I love it a lot more, but yeah, consistently it's pretty low down on the list. Uh, I'll take Wild Mood Swings over Blood Flowers, uh, even though it's got a few songs that I think are definitely some of their worst songs ever, but it's got a few that I really love. Want goes a long way. That song's brilliant. Um, right above that is the top. Huh. So uh, that's coming up next. Donald and I got a top episode we're sharing with you. And uh, pretty interesting. I paired it with Wild Mood Swings. More on that later. Um, above that, probably my most uh, shockingly low placing is 17 seconds. Um, above 17 seconds, uh, Three Imaginary Boys. But I'm counting it more as Boys Don't Cry. I like Boys Don't Cry in the U.S. release better. Because um, it has the singles on it. Above that, I'll take Pornography. But better than pornography in my book is faith. I'll take faith over pornography. And then we get down to the top four. We got Kiss Me, Kiss Me. And above that, Wish. Just because probably a sentimental attachment. Feels like a little bit more concise version of Kiss Me. And Head on the Door. Because it is so concise and beautiful. And of course, number one. Disintegration. Best album ever. Whatever. Alright, so that's my list. Feel free to post yours on Facebook. Or wherever uh, you want to drop a line to me, GavinConnor at gmail.com. Be sure to go to Instagram and find us there where we'll be uh, putting out ideas for new episodes that you can contribute to. You just record a little memo on your phone and send it to me. Or if you got a home recording set up, you know, even better. But uh, it doesn't have to be anything fancy. We can fix most most business in the mix there so just get me some kind of audio file of you just babbling like this and uh we'll use it in an episode um or if you want it to stick to a specific theme you know keep an eye out on instagram we'll throw it out there and uh you can participate or just write me an email if you hate your voice that bad and you just want to share a thought or something drop me an email gavinconnor at gmail.com on top of that facebook has all the bonus material so go on over there and find the holy hour podcast and you'll see some cool stuff. 
And, um, of course, iTunes is where it's at. Subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss any episodes. Rate us and rank us over there. Dub Vulture, thanks so much for the new review. Thanks so much for listening. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a cool thing out there, throwing this out there to other Cure fans. We're all very different people and have different perspectives on all this, but ultimately... It's the love for the cure that brings us here. Um, I also want to thank Arusha again for the last two episodes that we posted. Those were very epic episodes for us there. I hope you enjoyed them. I thank her so much for for coming down and hanging out with Dolan and I. Um, They may not have even felt that epic when you were listening to them, just people talking. But we really did have like five hours of conversation just for that one episode. Um, So it took a lot of weeding through just to, to get it more concise for you people to listen to and, and enjoy and i hope you did and uh, but yeah it was about that was a long cure conversation so many cure stories to tell from marusha so thanks again to her and all her buddies and and stories that have unfolded over the years as a cure fan be sure to go over to her website for her project push a cure fan documentary at curefandocumentary.com and uh there's a facebook for that too if you want to contact her so go on over and check that out. And um, if you want to do some shopping, mixedupgifts.com is always a nice place. One of Arusha's buddies. Uh, if you listen to this full st- story, you can see how they cross paths and uh, how it all fits together like a wonderful cure puzzle. And uh, you can find some really cool stuff at mixedupgifts.com. And uh, go check it out. Until next time, we'll have a more proper episode uh, with other people involved. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe I'll just keep babbling. Who knows? Anyway, thanks so much for listening if you've made it this far. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Talk hard. <laughs>